0: Hello, welcome to the new podcast series, King of the Middle, with Michael Joel Green and Chris Moore. Here's Michael Green.
1: For those who don't know me, I was a rock musician in Seattle. I played I played in rock bands in Seattle for six and a half years back in the mid-90s. Then I was an actor in LA for eight years, and then I switched to writing books several years ago, and that's what I've been doing ever since. Uh, I write fiction and nonfiction.
0: And... For me, my introduction, uh, I'm Chris, and I am right now a writer, podcaster. My career editing background is in post-production film and TV editing. But uh, I started writing, shifting more and more towards full-time writing in 2014. I went back to school, crazy and insane, right before I turned 40. Because I needed to get out of the entertainment business, what I was doing for many reasons we'll dive into in this series. And I went to law school and did that, got out, and knew that I didn't want to practice law. So I've been out here working. Mike and I have worked on numerous projects together since 2014. We've worked on numerous projects. We're working on numerous projects now. And we both have very similar parts of our journey. We're different different people with different stories, but we have some overlap both in our work together and in our lives. And we're doing this podcast because we want to impart our failings and our being trapped between quitting and success. We're in the middle, and we're trying to move to being success as Christians. And by success, we don't mean rich or famous. We mean making a living so that we can focus on one thing working, using the gifts God gave us to glorify him and to get paid to be able to survive. Hopefully we will all in our discussion, Michael and myself and others and our listeners and watchers, will engage and talk about this and let's learn from each other. So that that's what I'm here for. What is this podcast? What is a podcast about being king of the middle and a fantastic failure as a Christian as far as career and and as far as vocation, but also our real focus is as an artist, fantastically failing sometimes over and over again. And you and I both have experienced that in projects together and apart. Fantastic failures and being in the middle. And middle, you know, we want to clarify that middle doesn't mean middle of the road. Like we're just doing middle of the road, mediocre, and we're accepting that. That's not it. We're talking about we're in the middle between not doing it and giving up and some kind of level of success that we can actually make a living as artists. We're in the middle. We have not quitting. And you and I are hardcore, really intense guys who don't believe in quitting. We're just too damn stubborn. So we're not going to quit. But are we ever going to get from this point in the middle to a place where we can actually make a living doing what we're doing? And my fascination with this concept and this, this project is who do we know people who have not quit, who have stuck in the middle and are in the middle. And I'd love to talk to some people who went from the middle and succeeded. And between you and I, we know some people who have achieved varying levels of success as artists. Some people succeeded and then fell back. And this is just really, to me, an interesting journey, but more than anything it's about. It's like David and the Psalms praising the Lord in song and in worship with art and music and being compelled in our spirits to do that. Some of us feel so compelled by the Psalms, we cannot let go of that as a major part of our calling, even if it means making sacrifices in the work that we do for salary to the embarrassment of our family and friends. And and part of our grappling is, Father, are we sinning? If we make a decision to make less money and be less successful financially to be able to pursue this art somehow even part-time or are we doing what he's calling us and that is the great question I think you and I and hopefully we'll have other people on to talk with us to hash through this issue because you and I do not have the answer to this and it's my greatest quest is when is does the father say I just want you to do something your art on the side is a hobby not not that you're worrying about your family or not by doing art but I want you to worry about making money So you can have certain comforts of the world, like putting your kid in a good school, having a house in a decent neighborhood, or no, I've called you to be poor and I will provide for you, but you need to keep pursuing. And for me, that's what I want to do this for. So what do you, what do you think about that? How do you feel about that?
1: I mean, just for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Chris and I, you and I, Mm -hmm. we've been great friends for going on 20 years now. And a little bit about me, I, I had lived right after college, uh, pretty much the dark period of my life. I moved to L.A. Uh, and at the time I wanted to be the next great writer, director, actor, musician. Uh, and it was terrible. I mean, I, I was, I was a drunk back then. Yeah, you know, I would just sit at a word mm-hmm. process every night um, until I passed out. But I was not—I didn't know God, and but I was writing songs and lyrics that reflected, you know, they reflected that loneliness, that isolation, that alienation mm-hmm. that I felt. Uh, I grew up in a small town in uh, Northwest Tennessee in the Bible Belt, and you know, not nothing, nothing against that. It's for me the faith that i saw modeled in particularly in my church growing up was one that was more based on morality or politics mixed with morality and i had to go off on my own and quick story pretty incredible story actually um, mm-hmm. when i was in la i don't remember doing this because i was just basically tapping myself out every night uh, no friends, nothing complete mm. isolation mm. but still writing and expressing those things. And then I left LA and I'm just out of college, you know and I travel I was traveling around the country for about three months just seeing maybe high school friends, a college friend and I hit rock bottom there and that was sort of my that was the point of my life where I hit bottom and said, my life, like God, I can't do this, and yeah, I was gonna I was gonna meet a buddy of mine in Knoxville, Tennessee, and we were gonna go to a Daytona Beach for spring break. And by the way, for someone trying to discover faith and identity and all these things, don't go to Daytona Beach for spring break. And uh, <laughs> so I was driving. I left Texas and I was driving through East Tennessee, the mountains, and I'm mean, not I just bawling. I mean, I had fallen apart, and I pulled over on the side of the road, and I was just praying, you oh know, God, I'm so sorry for what I've done in my life. Please help me. And, man, I got to tell you, like, I got to Knoxville, and me and this high school friend went to, we started driving to Florida, and I didn't have the same eyes anymore. So, I'm wearing, I were there for a week, and I was sad the whole time, in that. I would watch these kind of drunk frat guys walking around naked, just, and I felt sorry for them. Hmm. Now, when I was in college, I hated frat guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) I was angry, all black, wearing combat boots, Soundgarden, you know, Alice in Chains, that was my life. Um, And I felt sorry for these guys. And that's when I knew, like, things are not the same here. So from there i moved to seattle i had read a quote from uh, this old theologian saint augustine Mm -hmm. to paraphrase it was love god and do what you want to do that uh, exploded inside me Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. to me that meant god's going to take care of me and i can live with passion Mm -hmm. so Going back to your question, Mm. yes, uh, everything, passion, music was, writing was, the experience of singing, you know, a song in your car, so I spent, I didn't know if I was going to go to Seattle or Denver, so I spent a week in Denver in a seedy hotel on Colfax Avenue, Uh, The first night I'm there, I can't go to sleep because the flaming lips are playing a a show right (laughs) next door. Um, But here's what happened, man. And I didn't have a memory of this. I started going through all my notebooks. I mean, I before digital, man, we're writing in notebooks. I still write in notebooks, but I had a, a gazillion. And I started reading through this notebook, and I saw that I had been doing personal Bible studies while I was in LA before mm. I would get drunk at night hmm. and I'm reading through this not having any memory of it but going wow like I was actually reading the Bible and having a grasp of what it was talking about uh, but I didn't remember that and like I would just break down you know because it's like even then God was hmm talking to me so when i got to seattle i mean it was it was total god thing first off i mean i had two goals in mind moving to seattle i had never played in a band before i couldn't sing on pitch i had written like three or four songs on a cheap ovation guitar and recorded them on a uh, digital recorder i had uh the guitar was out of tune but the songs are actually pretty good And so I moved to Seattle and I found an ad in the local music newspaper called The Rocket. And, you know, I'd been looking through all these ads for days and all of them were, you know, experience wanted, experience wanted, you must look and sound like Chris Cornell or, you know, must sound like Robert Plant (laughs) and have the stage charisma of, you know, whoever, Bono, I guess. And and I had never been on stage in my life, you know, except for uh, theater in college. And... All of a sudden, I see this ad in the paper. It's like, Christian Singer wanted for rock band influences YouTube posies Smashing Pumpkins, which is like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, (laughs) Posies was, that that was a local Seattle band, but I had spent the last year of my college listening to uh, their album Frosting on the Beater. And like, I spent my high school wanting to be Bono, you know, I grew my hair out just like him. So anyway, (laughs) I called the guy and his name was Jason. And uh, I was, I, at that time I was like going, Michael is not a cool name. Like it's so common. And I, but I was like, can I change my name? But I didn't know anything about that. you know. And my niece, my sister had just had her first child right before I moved to Seattle and her name was Micah. So I was like, that's kind of a cool name. And I was, I was actually like reading the Bible for the first time, you know? And I was like, Micah is a prophet. So anyway, I called this guy from a hotel. I was literally staying at these cheap CD hotels on Highway 99 in Seattle the first two weeks I was there. Uh, called him and I was like, uh, my name is Micah. <laughs> and right away, I just feel like <laughs> you're an idiot. But uh, So anyway, I started talking to the guy and uh, very serious you know, voice, uh, but I really liked him. And uh, I think I eventually just said, actually, dude, my name is Michael. But then he asked me, like, what's your experience as a fronting a rock band? And I was like, oh, I, I did it in college, you know. I, I sang in a band. And uh, yeah. and, then, and then he goes, oh, really? I've actually never been in a band. That's cool. You'll have to tell me what it's like. I'm like, ah, you yeah. uh, But it was, uh, what I remember about that was he asked me about my faith. And that time in my life, that was 95, Uh, I had, a lot had happened, and that's, I had rediscovered God, rediscovered grace, rediscovered the gospel, rediscovered Jesus, and my life was just, it was exploding in my heart, and so I drove, when I drove there, I mean, it was just prayer, running on prayer, faith, and hope, and so I just talked, started talking to the guy, and next thing I know, I just, Everything's coming out because that's all I could talk about in those days was my faith, you know.
0: And I, I want to say something really quickly. You just triggered a thought for me, which is part of, I think, where the passion comes from for us and and why we want to do this podcast and why we want to hear other people's stories and we, why we want to inspire other people is there's something about putting your faith in action. And for us, we feel that using it through some kind of creative process, whatever it is, music or Video, storytelling, audio, whatever it is, writing, that putting your faith into action is a way to so invigorate and excite us about our faith. This is part of why we feel compelled. If if I'm not doing something with it, I'm like a shark that's not moving in water, which means I'm going to drown and die yeah. that's that's how I feel, and that's the sense that I, I i i I'm sure that's well, I believe that that's from what you're saying that that's how you feel, but you can tell me what you think about that, but that's the sense I'm getting, and that for me that's how I feel
1: well, I mean that's a great question and and I think it's a wonderful question, and i I tend to say, one, I've always been weird, like I will drive. I'll be driving and I'll listen to the same song six, seven times in a row because I get that experience of singing at the Mm. top of my lungs and just Mm -hmm. the emotion that brings me. So literally six, seven times in a row, just so I can relive that experience. But my lyrics then became, yes, I can still write about loneliness or the human condition, but it was more hope. And it was mm. more grace. And let me tell you about what I have found. Mm. You know, so I'm talking to this guy Jason on the phone, and uh, I'm ta- I'm just telling him, you know, everything. And he's like, "We'll come for an audition." You know, mm-hmm. uh, so I did. And to his credit, he took a chance on me, and he told me up front, "You have to be taking voice lessons con- mm. continually because your voice <laughs> is not there. Your voice is not there." Uh, so I got into lessons, I was taking them, writing, we're, we're making music, we got a rehearsal space, we've got a, bass and a bassist and a drummer, we play a few shows, uh, things are great, we actually put out a demo tape, and then, uh, I walked into practice one night, and Jason and I actually lived in the same apartment complex, uh, he and his wife got married, and I moved in with his former roommate, and he and his wife moved upstairs. Mm -hmm. So, I think that night he had gone to the space early, the rehearsal space, which I thought was a little weird because we usually rode together. And I got there and the other, the bassist and drummer are there already. And they're like, we need to talk to you. And they're like, we want you to step down to singer. Which, you know, just all of a sudden excitement goes to pit in your Mm -hmm. stomach what has just happened. And Jason, Jason said, you know, we'd love for you to stay on as a guitar player. You're a good guitar player and a great songwriter. Um, but I wouldn't do it, you know, for to me, mm. to me, I wanted, Frontman was always it, mm. Frontman. So I said, nope, thanks. And I took my PA and I left. Uh, Jason, to his credit, made sure that he came down later on and we were still friends. They found a new singer and... Um, I decided like my voice is not there yet and what a lot of it was i was writing all these melodies that were i mean we were hard we were pretty almost metal and they're really high range and my voice i didn't know this at the time i thought i was a tenor i'm more of a baritone so i'm writing these incredibly high melody lines that i can't hit yeah and uh and also i just didn't have i didn't have technique so i decided i'm gonna step out of rock and roll for a while and i'm gonna do i'm gonna learn to get my voice stronger so mm-hmm. i did musical theater for about a year uh and it was ridiculous you know i'm I'm in these musicals wearing like uh short shorts and dancing around which <laughs> i'm you know i tried to perfect this whole brooder you know earrings all black men's kind of uh, <laughs> thing going on um but i was able to then realize you know this is my natural singing voice uh so I, I did that for a year and then I, I got in another band and we were doing mostly like a more acoustic stuff, all my songs, and so they were more softer. So then that band broke up and then uh, I joined a band and the guy that I would be co-writing with, uh, it sort of became whoever is wrote the song's gonna sing it. Mm. Uh, And we actually our voices sounded great together blending harmonies But his style was more of what the band was going for. So he was singing most of the songs Lesson here uh, I Had to look back on it and go I left the band with Jason Because I wouldn't just play the guitar. I wanted the I wanted to be the the main guy and this band With these guys these are great musicians this band has a great sound he's writing great songs my buddy john there was that part of me that said i want to be the singer but then i then i had to realize no i'm fine just playing the guitar so i started learning experimenting with different tunings on the guitar and just really trying to get better at it and you know there we played a few of my songs where i would get to sing uh but I think that was a big lesson for me. And it was, that was pride. And and even, you know, that's a huge one for anyone trying to pursue a, a career in this. It's the pride, the pride is gonna, it'll ruin you. But that also kind of goes back to every area of our life. Pride is the ultimate sin, I believe. And it's what keeps us from bowing and bending our knee and saying god i need you uh have mercy on me
0: and it keeps us from achieving the kinds of gifts from using the gifts god gave us to the max and getting real work in his name out Yeah, because i i definitely have my own versions of pride over and over and not wanting to hear criticism which kept me down for decades and decades and decades of not getting the kind of work or or creative stuff done that God could use for his glory that I just couldn't do because I couldn't hear criticism. Um, so that's great. Thanks for sharing that because that you got to the core of it at the end of all these adventures in your, your path that led you to Los Angeles to become the writer that you are now is all these series of struggles, but then listening and saying, father, what did you have for me? I want to use the talents that you gave me to glorify you, what you want me to use, not what I want, you know, because I would suspect, I, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me when I'll, I'll tell more about my story that I did a lot of, here's what I'm going to do, Father, and then I'm praying that you'll bless it. And if not, okay, I'll listen, but this is what I'm going to do and I'm praying for you to bless it. Instead of, I won't even start what I'm going to do until you bless and say, yeah, do it. And I, I that's a radical change for me in only the la- only very recent years. Even I would honestly hate to say at my age, even maybe in the last year to year, yeah, pfft, I can't sugarcoat it in the past year is the first time in my life I've said I won't do anything creatively that I really want to do unless you tell me it's OK. And if I and I just pray that you'll soften the blow so that my heart, and my stubbornness can take it and. We, we, I have so many stories to share about why I'm in my late 40s that it took me this long to say, "Father, I'll listen to you." It's an embarrassment looking back how many years and decades of not listening, and there's so many layers of complication. And I'm hoping that by us telling our stories, that other people, both younger than us, will learn from our mistakes and say, "I don't have to spend 20 years to learn what Chris and Mike did. I'm going to learn it now when I'm in my early 20s." and I'll be ha- much happier and the Lord you know, is going to work in my life. And for people who are our age or older who have not succeeded and failed, I'm going to challenge people who are listening and seeing this to think about what do you need to ask and pray to the Lord about your journey as an artist. If you feel that you've got to get stuff out of you, I really believe that that's a God-given call. But how you deal with it is the most important it's the most important thing, and I sure as heck haven't done it anywhere near the right godly biblical way for so long. Um, and that's why I definitely feel compelled now spending this time with you and, and doing starting this podcast up and writing about it because <laughs> I, I I wish I could go back in time 20 years, even 10 years would be good, but 20 years would be awesome <laughs> to go back and talk to yeah, myself, yeah. Uh, and say, Hey, here's 20 because 20 years ago. That's for me. That twenty years ago is a couple years into me being in Los Angeles. Um, I, I I will give a very short introduction to what led me here to like sitting in this seat, but I'm not going to get into my origin story because you and I we definitely want to talk about our origin story. I want to go back to our youth and see where we can point to where we know we started. We start, we had this call to be creative, but we didn't know what to do with it, or we didn't listen to what I just said. For me, I never prayed about it and asked the Lord. I didn't have the tools or anybody to guide me, even as a mentor, to say, No, Chris, you need to pray about this to learn what God has for you. I didn't have that in my life. Most of us, I'm sure, as Christians, did not have that in our lives, certainly as artists. And it let us. It led me to make a lot of bad decisions and also i'm extra stubborn i'm like two or three times more stubborn probably than the average person so uh and you can nod and laugh because you know it's true you know me a long time <laughs> i will say to everyone who's listening or watching that it is uh mike michael green on the other side of the screen here that has a lot to do with me learning in recent years about how i have to submit and a lot of brokenness i've had that i've had to learn how to give it to god And nobody else could I do this podcast with as effectively as Michael here, because we've been on this journey and I've learned a lot working with him in in definitely the last six years or so since 2014. And it's been transformative. So now's the time we feel that to do this podcast and start talking, because we've now come through a lot of fire and flames together and we're older and wiser. (laughs) So we have more to actually distill this down Okay, Michael, so before I start on my story in L.A., I just want to finish hearing your story, what got you from Seattle to Los Angeles.
1: I moved to L.A. in end of 01. Uh, My best friend at the time, uh, still is, my buddy Jason, a former bandmate of mine, he and his wife had moved to L.A. uh, two years earlier. And I had done theater in college, and I wanted to pursue, I wanted keep playing music, but also pursue acting. I went down for a surprise weekend for his birthday one weekend, and his wife, they kept saying throughout the weekend, you know, move down here, you can live with us. And you know, at the time, I was, my band in Seattle had just broken up, it was my third band there. It felt like I had just been knocking on doors continually for six years. Uh, Now, at the same time, I had the greatest life in the world in Seattle. I had just become a Christian right before I moved to Seattle. My faith had exploded inside me. I had the most amazing church, community. So it was not as if I was running away from something, but there was, there was a pull to something. And I remember I just prayed every day for about two months, like, God, if I can do this with humility, to honor you, would you bless this? And man, that, that little germ of an idea grew and spread so quickly that I was, I was gone in two, three months mm. I think from that weekend mm. down in LA at my, my buddy Jason's house. And uh, moved down here and pursued acting. I don't know how to quit stuff. And a lot of that comes from early childhood quitting. Uh, kind of Mm. learning resilience or just not to give up and so for me acting I loved performance being on stage doing theater uh, just letting that spontaneity or creation take over Mm. I mean it you can't describe that Mm. it's uh you drive a hundred miles an hour on the way home with the wind with the windows down, pumping her fist out the, air, you know, the window because it feels so good. <laughs> um, but there was a lot of frustration with it too. And through circumstance, mm-hmm. uh, a work contact of mine, a woman that I had never actually physically met, but we had been email work buddies for three years. One day I walk into work. Uh, I'm working a desk job, paper pushing. And she says, Here's what we're doing today. We would spend, we usually would spend all day like making up song lyrics together or just, you know, ma- anything mm-hmm. creative. Mm-hmm. And she goes, Here's a paragraph of a story uh, I'm going to write, then you finish the next paragraph. So she had written a paragraph about a boy that sees a monster on the bus- school bus that day. I said, okay, I'll flip another paragraph to her, you know. Uh, one paragraph, two paragraphs, kept going, kept going. Uh, this is kind of fun, let's keep going with this. Uh, Two weeks later, we had like 50 pages of a book done. And I think both of (laughs) us were kind of going, this is pretty cool actually. So I sent it to a a friend of ours, a writer, a screenwriter friend, and I said, am I crazy or is this actually not bad? Mm. And uh, he wrote me me back and said, Mike, I love this. You got to keep going with this. and I knew I had done my last audition in LA when I got called for a music video. Uh, and it was with a well-known female singer. And it was going to be like in the car with her or her boyfriend or whatever. And <laughs> I didn't even take a shower that day. I had a full beard, like Jesus-length hair, and my headshot was clean-shaven and shorter hair and I didn't care, I just walked right into the audition with scraggly beard, and I think I knew at that point. uh, I've lost the passion, not for the performance, not for the craft, not for learning, but for everything that goes with it. Out thousands of hours on the road, changing in your car, uh, inattentive casting directors, uh, all these things. So I can't quit, and a chance to write books allowed me to leave acting and then switch my pursuits to writing without quitting. I was just switching my mm-hmm. creative outlet. Uh, so that was huge for me because I didn't have to quit.
0: A little bit of my origins of how I got here into this chair to start this podcast. I came to Hollywood in December, 98. I went to a, a secular. Uh, Undergrad in Glassboro, New Jersey, which is I grew up in the town next to Glassboro called Williamstown, Marmara Township. And I knew from the time I was in high school, I wanted to be in either audio or visual arts and and technical. I was very drawn to the technical. So I took radio, TV, film, uh, and we're going to hear some stories about my time there and about fear and failure and all parts of what this podcast is about. Things happen there. Uh, Even back in high school and middle school, we're going to get to those great juicy stories of being kids who had drive for talent, for for creativity, but didn't know what to do with it. Um, And it actually, those missteps took themselves all the way through well into adulthood. As a matter of fact, my wife and I are just finishing a series that aired on the BBC uh, at the end of 2019, and it was released in theaters here. It's Michael Apted's Up series. He started with kids at seven, and every seven years he checks in. And he just did 63 Up at the end of 2019. And the thing he keeps asking these folks who are 63 now is, do you think what you were like as a kid when I first interviewed you at, at seven years old, do you believe that there were echoes to come or, or was that? Was there a map drawn already in the person that you were at seven that led you to where you are now at 63 and at 56 and at 49 or whatever, and all those years? And almost every one of the interviewees as adults say, absolutely. And that is so true resonating with when I look at my story, and I, I sense too, Michael, that yours will be similar. We're going to see the roots of who we are now and the struggles we've had go all the way back into our youth. And I'm fascinated by that. I I love going back to see it to see what would I tell myself the seven year old eight, 10, 12, 13, 15, 18 year old version of myself. What I know now. Um, but now aside, getting back to it, knowing that I wanted to be in audio visual arts in undergrad, went to school Then I got some counsel from one of my uncle's relatives who worked in TV, he worked in sports, I think he worked for ESPN. He said to me at my graduation, you should go on and get further education because this field is so competitive, it's really hard for you to get your foot in the door and to do anything that you really want to do if you just have an undergrad degree with no experience. And I was rebellious at first, but my mom said, there's this Christian university in Virginia And you should really look into this. And it's not too expensive. It's affordable. You should consider it. And I was like, no way. I'm done. I'm in school. I finished. I had four years. I'm ready to kick butt and get out in the world. No way. But that is the way I usually react to things when people confront me with ideas that are opposed to what I believe and want to do. And thank goodness. Praise God. It's all on God, not me. He convicted me to say, you should listen to your mom. I know that you often don't like to listen to your mom, but you should listen to her. So I... I looked into the school and I prayed about it and the answer was like you should do this. That's one of the few times in my life when I was young where I listened to God and he said I have something for you and do it. And I did it and it was a what happened because of going to school? God was there. There were real Christians there and amazing stuff happened in my life as a Christian because of it. And I went and went to school for 2 years, graduated I wound up staying there for four years between graduating, working on some additional student projects and volunteering because I wanted more experience. I got to do my own project and then I stayed and worked. I got my first real job working for an industrial company that's now part of DuPont Um, and then came to L.A. And I was like, I always knew I wanted to be a storyteller and I wanted to learn from the best. So I came in Christmas 98, first Christmas that I was without didn't see family for Christmas. First time in my life, I was 27 and I was not home for Christmas. And that was pretty traumatic. But I immediately started plugging in and my roommate at the time, his name was Vito. He was a fellow grad and we were roommates. We had known each other for years. We came out and we we got started getting connected with independent filmmakers. And I wound up getting, and this shows how crazy my ride is with what God was doing in my life. I wound up, getting connected with an independent film through just meeting people in contacts in the first couple months in L.A. And it was an indie film that's now long forgotten. It never succeeded. But the editor, he wound up becoming Quentin Tarantino's editor for a while. He wound up cutting Kill Bill 2, I believe. So first project I'm working for in L.A. out of the gate is I'm working with the future, one of Quentin Tarantino's future editors. That's ridiculous. Then, if that's not crazy enough, I I start interning. I start calling on the phone. I need an internship. I got to get in. Everybody just slams the phone. Some dumb kid. It's 1998. You're Hollywood. You have no credentials. You're just randomly calling up what are called post houses. They're places that deal with support services for movies and TV to, at that time, convert film into computers. The Avid was a system that I used, which is still used today for one of the systems used today. I start making these random calls. And I get through to a place, a sweet British woman, at, who's a receptionist, picks up and says, an internship, I don't know, let me talk to the, let me pass you on to the person who's in charge of that department. Pass me on to the person, and the woman started asking me questions. This woman, her last name is Ince, I-N-C-E. Now, anybody who's listening to this may or may not know, I-N-C-E, that's a legendary family that was, their family goes back to the beginnings of Hollywood. Her family has the legacy of starting the one of the major studios in Hollywood. She brings me into an interview and allows me to start interning and make a long story slightly shorter. I wind up interning and after a couple of months I get in and start working in editorial and I'm doing technical and support services and I'm working with editorial departments for major studios. And I wind up in the first couple of years working on Oscar winning films, which of course I didn't know were going to be Oscar winning films being John Malkovich Uh, Magnolia. Uh, I worked on The Green Mile and all all kinds of other films coming into this process. I'm like, I just stepped into Hollywood and I'm working with an editor who's going to work with Quentin Tarantino and I'm working with one of the founders of Hollywood, the great-granddaughter, granddaughter, granddaughter, great-granddaughter opens up the door for me and I was like, I had no idea what was going on that how lucky I was of what was happening. But my journey... As I worked, I worked independently at times. I worked for a couple of years for that company. Then I went off and did some independent stuff because I wanted to work as a Christian. But what was interesting is every time I went off to work as a Christian, the projects didn't go very far. Uh, I worked on a project with it alumni who graduated in Virginia before me. And we worked on a series that dealt with comedians from the turn of the 20th century, turn of the 19th to 20th century, Chaplin and all these other really famous guys. And we worked on a documentary series and it got onto some PBS stations across the country, but we didn't make any money on it. I scrapped together. At the time I lived in LA, it was cheap to live and I could afford to live on peanuts. Um, but I had bought this gear and equipment that cost me over 10 grand because of the job I worked when I was working on those Oscar nominated films. And when I was working post, I got enough money to pay my school debt off and buy a computer. At the time it was 10 grand for what you could get now for a thousand dollars. And we worked on this series and it was great experience. And we got the show PBS affiliates around the country, some aired it, but we didn't make any money. And then we did an expanded version that got sold in Russia because Russians are big on that content. So I shifted. From that to another project that was a web browser-based project. Uh, it was a search engine for Christians to be able to direct their kids. So you could search for video content like cartoons and comedy, and it would have filters on it, so it would tell you as a parent whether it was safe or not. This is this is twenty years, fifteen years before angel, Video Angel, which exists now, long before they existed. And I worked my duff off on that project for a year, and it fell through, and the dot-com bomb happened. And I was like, I have to go back and work for Hollywood. And again, it was weird because God opened doors. I got in by just looking for work. I get in and I went up working for a guy uh, who was doing a movie he had been working on for years about America. And the, the film was called America's Heart and Soul. And Disney, he'd worked a deal and Disney picked it up. So I went up working for a year and a half doing some technical stuff, some editing, creative, but a lot of technical. I'm, I'm now I'm working... First job, again, is I'm working for a Disney film, and that led me to a guy I met on that job led me to a reality show that was forgotten, long forgotten, but it was connected to Missy Elliott, Missy Misdemeanor Elliott from Virginia. So I thought, how weird. Here I am again. I'm on a project, and it's connected to Virginia, not far from where I went to school. Uh, So I did that, but I got a connection from that to a producer on that low-budget reality show, and she was working for real stuff. She was working for Larry David, Curb Your Enthusiasm. She was soon to become a producer, and she saw my work ethic on this show, this reality show, and she said, you want to come over and be an assistant? Because the show's coming back beginning of next year, 05. And I was like, of course I do. So I get in, and here's where I'm going to put a pause. I got on to Curb Your Enthusiasm 2005, it was a full-year project, practically. It was one of the most awesome experiences that I've ever had in Hollywood. The people on that show are amazing. Larry is an awesome guy, despite the way he performs the person he'd like to be, but he can't be because civilized society won't allow him to be the guy he plays on Curb. But he's one of the best bosses, is one of the best shows, one of the most awesome experiences that I've ever had. Except I'm a Christian And I'm on a show by a Jewish guy who doesn't really believe in God, and he makes a lot of fun of both his faith and Christians. And in the season I was in, there was a a specific episode where they used a cross as a joke where a guy's chasing him to beat him up with something that he converts this piece of wood into. It becomes a cross. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I'm on the way up. My career is heading sky high. Uh, I'm an assistant editor. Which leads to future jobs to become an editor, which is what I thought I wanted to do. And I'm here. You can't get higher than working for the guy who co-created Seinfeld. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, "Uh-oh." I I know that God doesn't want me to stay doing this. And that is where being a Christian artist and being a Christian was a was a this huge change where I was like, "I have to figure this out." Um. So we will talk more in our journeys and in our story about that and you Michael and mine and where we came up against things you just wrote a short story that our audience will hopefully get to read and see about your version of that what happens when you're confronted with working as an artist or going putting yourself in the the spectrum of Hollywood uh, and you realize that what you have to do to succeed is you have to deny the Lord and for me, God opened these doors and kicked them open over and over and over and over again. And then I get to curb them like, Father, why'd you kick these doors open and get me through all these things, all these circumstances? And then you 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 get me here and now I'm like, this isn't I can't do this. What what's what's the jibe? <laughs> what are you doing to me? And that's part of our what we're doing this podcast for is how how do we resolve ourselves whether we're working as artists or not? Or we're working, we're just really great accountants and bankers or whatever we're doing, we could be really fantastic, you know, we could be maintenance people who work in for the city. How do we resolve what we're doing in our calling and 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 being Christians in our walk? Uh, but as an artist where you're commanded to when you're being commanded by your job to do work for somebody else in their name. And they don't believe what you do, and they actually believe the opposite of what you do—that God is not good. That that is a challenge, and that is tough. And I really don't often hear people talk about this. And when I was in Christian University, the topic came up a little bit. Nobody had good answers. Uh, I was not prepared for that question. And then, for you and I, Michael, it becomes in our art that we want to do. We want to reach to the world. We do want to talk to Christians, but I, we have a heart for people who don't believe too. How do we speak to the world and Christians without becoming too worldly? There's always this threshold and we'll talk more about the projects we're doing and the struggles we have with in whether it's creating music, storytelling right now that we're doing. How do we, how do we deal with that? And the fact of the matter is I don't have all the answers. That's why we're doing this. We're, we're kind of, I think this is a learning journey and also maybe some therapy. I'm hoping some other people can come in and, will be talking with us to give us some guidance in, in the struggle, the Christ, a Christ centered, uh, some Christ centered guidance. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's, that's a great story. Um, and I've known you for a lot of that. And it's one of the things that I've always respected about you more. It's you have taken the shots for your faith and your convictions and it has cost you, but you always have listened to that conviction you've been willing to take the shots for it and uh, I know you and for those listening Chris is one of the most creatively gifted people I've ever known Uh, not only editing but music he took a song of mine once and did a remix for it that the remix was actually better than the original I've always known you could have had wild success as an editor but you you took hits for your faith and uh it's one of those things that we may not see the reward for that in this life uh but one day and god I- says well done good and faithful servant uh you will be able to say amen you know <laughs> and, amen. A- and, a-
0: and i'll add something to that which i'm not I've had a tendency a lot in my life to rag on myself to bring my ego down in there. And I've dealt with that much more in recent years. But what I'm saying right now is not ragging on myself. But I will say this is part of my thankfulness for God's heaping failure on me. Because doubts, some of what kept me not just the torment of being a Christian in a secular business where I'm actually helping promote and preach uh, stories that I don't believe in. or or points of view that I don't believe in, but my self-doubts in my own capabilities, which came from lack of putting my trust in the Lord and being willing to take criticism, kept me back as well as my, my faith and my desire to stay on course with the Lord. So thank you, Father, for my fantastically bad failures, because you kept me you kept me father from coming off the hinge and going off the rails and and being who knows what if i had been as successful as i may have been capable of and as creative without failing and doubts i might have been more reliant on myself and i may have said you know what father i'm willing to deal with the the dissonance that i have working on secular stuff um and and because i'm really doing good stuff it's really fun and i think i can glorify you and i'll i'll just toss out the very last job that I had in the industry was the end of 15 when I was like, I cannot go back to this. And I was working for one of the other mega, mega world talents, guys who's a super talent, Ryan Murphy. I was working for his company on a show and you get in that company and something I will say about Ryan Murphy, that guy, his company, they give opportunities for people to go up the ladder like nobody I've ever worked for. It is a testament to to what people who are not believers that company they're most definitely not christians not believers obviously anybody knows his stuff but they provide opportunities for people who work hard and there were great opportunities for my career to skyrocket working for him and for his company and the people were great there they kill you they work you to death but they were really awesome people and i really liked them and if i wanted to make yet another turn towards my career could go to could go towards the sky that was a place to be. But I knew that I wasn't going to do it, that the sacrifices of both spirit as well as the life sacrifices for family weren't worth it. And, you know, anyway, that that's all part of our discussion, too. We're going to be talking is where do we draw the line for our families? We're both married now. We've both been married relatively recently. You last year, me only a few years we both lived into our 40s without being married. So I think we have a lot of interesting insight because we both lived single for so long. And I think that's God can use that, our struggles for so long wanting to be married to say, okay, well, now you're married, but you have insight that other people who got married much younger don't have about struggles in these things and struggles with singlehood and whatnot. So maybe this will, maybe some of that will all come in too as we're talking about our journey. So much to talk about.
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, I think, um, uh... And that may be a good wrapping up place.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Because I have I've actually been writing, working on a book called King of the Middle, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. dealing with a lot of these issues. But mm-hmm. I in there I, I I try to highlight the the pitfalls, if you will, towards and when I say success, you know I I, I suppose I also mean career success in in pursuing. Whatever whatever it may be in, and let's specifically LA, mm-hmm. uh, acting, editing, writing, directing, um, but also for emotional health, relational mm-hmm. health, physical health, spiritual health, and I think I listed five or six, but the number one that I did goes back to that story of getting kicked out of the band in Seattle, et cetera. Uh, it's pride. And mm-hmm. it's pride, and pride will be the ruin of us. And mm-hmm. so if you if if you yeah. are pursuing a career in a creative field, you will suffer from that pride. How will you react to it? Uh, because mm-hmm. those disappointments are going to come, uh, those letdowns are going to come, and those times when our ego will be telling us something that may not be beneficial to us in the long run. You may not get to be the leading man. You may be psychic. Uh, you may be friend to the hero. Uh, you may be background singer rather than front, uh, mm-hmm. front and center vocalist. Uh, so for me, that was a, that was a hard lesson. And I think that mm-hmm. it's years, I mean, years you have to learn it. Uh, mm-hmm. The first pitfall that we face, especially also as Christians trying to honor God with our creativity, our craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, pride pride derails that too. But God, you've sent me out here. I moved here for you. Uh, you promised me mm-hmm. this. Uh, Chris and I... Mm-hmm. Uh, back in 2014, I had been living. I moved to the Bay Area for a year and a half, and I moved back. We decided, with a friend of ours who is a incredible musician, uh, audio producer, to form a company that produces audio dramas. So we would write a great script, hire top of the line acting talent, top top of the line music chris would do all the sound effects building the sound wall so we did it and we put out uh we put out a pilot episode we cast the actors i directed them greatest fun we've ever had and then uh (laughs) our third member got really sick and all of a sudden you see a dream that we had been working two years for disintegrate and that was hard man uh we were actually roommates at the time. Uh, this is right before he got married. And there was a lot of letdown with that because we had both, we were in our 40s and we had been trying, you know, all these pursuits for so long. And then this one looked mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't make it. And I think that was hard, man. And the pride mm-hmm. will cause me to say, you know, God, where were you? Uh, mm-hmm. But you made a good point a while ago. I said, You said, thank God I didn't have those successes in those early years. Amen Mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because it is so hard to have acclaim, have people looking at you in admiration and even feign humility, much less actually possess humility. Mm -hmm. So humility is a virtue, man. And pride. We celebrate. Mm -hmm. Be proud of yourself. Well... Maybe in some ways, but no. Uh, humility is a virtue, so mm-hmm.
0: yeah. that
1: God also honors and esteems.
0: Mm-hmm. And I and what's interesting is, I mean, when we get to the root of it, I think a lot as we're discussing this, what we realize a lot of what we're where we're going to come up against is your pride versus humility, and success versus failure, how God works in them, and quite often your pride. Getting too high versus humility is part one of the problem. And another component is the success versus failure. Sometimes it takes real serious failure for the Lord to get you where he wants you to get. And what what the outcome of that is? that is, different people have different stories, and that's what we want to explore. What is failure? Failure might be, I'm not going to do the art that I thought I was made to do. God has another job for me and other ways to use me to work. And he's going to be glorified through something else that's not that. And it may not even be art. He might be like, I want you to become a therapist. I want you to become a CPA. I don't know. But that's part of the question, too, is what is he saying with failure if we truly are humble and then we fail when we ask? And my hope is that the audience sees us go on a journey. We're in a radical spot, you and I, right now, with work that we're doing and where we want to go. And we have many things that we've learned because of our failures in recent years. Um, If I hadn't failed with the project that you just spoke of, where you and I and our our good friend were working on getting this company going, if I hadn't failed, honestly, my writing would blow. The writing that I'm doing now would be at least five times worse than it is because it took failure and realizing I have a lot of work to do And also, I have a whole lot of shutting up and humbling and listening to do that I was never willing to do. And when we started that project that slowly derailed because of physical health consequences, had very positive consequences for me in my life because I had to start learning to listen. And and getting married happened for me around the same time as that that project derailed and that also taught me a whole slew of new new uh failures in my life that i'm so used to doing things my way i'll accommodate other people but i'll accommodate them you know because it's comfortable for me because i can still go home to my own bedroom at night i don't have a family i don't have a wife or a kid that i have to bend to 24 7 so uh you know that's what's really interesting. But this stuff all happened. And I realized, oh, I had so much to learn. I don't even know what I was thinking when we started that project that we failed on. Um, now, learning a lot and praying and being in a different mindset with the projects we're doing, including this podcast, how these go is going to be a much different and interesting journey because you and I are in a different place. And we're hoping and praying, Father, Father, let these succeed enough that we can do more of this work and get paid so we're going to find out we're going to learn (laughs) we will learn but i pray father that this is that we learn good happy things again i'm praying for what i want i'm praying that you do what i want you to do not what you want to do (laughs) see it's sneaking up sneaking up in here in this podcast so
1: that is a great that is always should be the prayer what do you want god not what we want i think you know even uh probably the next episode i would love My number two pitfall, if I remember correctly, was the self-absorption, self-absorption that one must have to make it in one of these career pursuits. Uh, Yeah. And so I'd love to get into that next time.
0: Uh, What what I'll interject there, I wanna tell a little bit of our origin stories. I wanna go back to the beginning and talk about, like I was talking earlier about the 7-Up series, I want to go back to some of our early tales of growing up so people can understand a little bit more about us, people don't know us, Uh, and where the genesis of these and the roots of these issues that we've had came from. Um, And and then absolutely the absorption, because I think they go together. We're born broken and fallen in this world, and we're born self-absorbed. I realized, I wrote a note uh, a few days ago I I put down that you know it really landed on me that my daughter who's one who's a little over a year and 9 months old that kid's born having both a heart to wanna know the Lord but is also born selfish and stubborn and wanting to just indulge in her own pleasures much more so than learning about God because she's too young to know and we're praying with her and we're trying to teach but my kid was born secular, is what I wrote. My kid was born secular. That's awesome. I and love that. That's guess great. what? That is the struggle that we have. We're born that way because of the fallen world. God makes himself known to us and our spirit, but we, ha- we always have a tendency to lean toward our selfish, and that's a perfect way to go from our origin stories, butting back up against how, what we shared about how we got here in this chair. You talking about what led you to music and what led me to getting to Hollywood and what I did since and, 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 and even before. So great part, great way to continue our next uh, discussion.
1: Um, thanks for listening. Uh, Chris, thanks as always. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. But until next time, thanks for listening to the King of the Middle
0: podcast. Adios. Until next time. Thanks for listening to King of the Middle with Michael Joe Green and Chris Moore. Check us out on YouTube or Facebook if you'd like to see the vidcast version of this podcast.